What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. I am Colton Denning. I am your host, coming to you from Oakland, California, on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon. And as always, I am joined by my co-host in the beautiful, great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, what's up, man? It's a um, a little bit less than beautiful here today in, in Columbus. Um, looks like it's probably going to rain. We're recording this on Tuesday, so that could apply pretty much any time from here till like um, December. But it's a good day. We, you know, we got a five and O Buckeye team to talk about. We got Indiana on the docket. Indiana's actually pretty decent, secretly decent, I think. So it's not it's not Rutgers, it's not Oregon State, it's not Tulane. It's an it's an interesting football game and I'm excited for that. It's not Penn State, it's not a, a high level game. I don't think Ohio State's really in danger here, but it's it's football. It's a good football game to talk about. Temperatures this uh week out here, seventy four today, sixty nine tomorrow, nice. sixty five on Thursday, up to seventy one on Saturday, so yeah. Uh, Ohio, I don't, I don't know how you're doing, but weather out here, West Coast, do it if you have the means. Get out here to the West Coast. Like Patrick said, we are going to be talking about the Indiana Hoosiers and their game with Ohio State this week. The first thing I have written down on this little preview sheet of notes I have in front of me is a question for you, and that is, what does Indiana do, Patrick? What does Indiana do? Well, you know, like... Um it's it's kind of hard to describe you know like when you're really hoping to do something outside you know and you've been planning something for weeks you're really excited for it and then on that day the weather's just terrible and like you can still do the thing but it's gonna suck you're really not gonna have as much fun as you would have hoped to I think that's what Indiana is about it's just kind of making your day worse they're they're really not gonna ruin anything they're not gonna stop you (laughs) from doing what you wanted but uh, they're going to be in the way, and they're they're going to make things really stupid. They're not nearly as chaotic as they were under current Ohio State. Um, I don't really know what he does, uh, but Kevin Wilson, he, he just kind of is there. They're not as chaotic because their offense isn't as good, but their current coach, Tom Allen, is a, a really good defensive mind, and Indiana can, can still give some good teams some, some trouble because their defense is really solid. So for actual football stuff, I, I think that they just pretty much just play good defense and their offense is just kind of in the way because do you know who Indiana's offensive coordinator is? It's Mike DeBoard. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's that's the thing we always talk about on the show is like such and such head coach Mike DeBoard. Yeah. Literally, Indiana offensive coordinator Mike yeah. DeBoard. I'm glad to have him back. <laughs> It's not a shock. The only thing I wrote down that I know about Indiana is that they beat Rutgers by seven last week. And so that you saying that it's all starting to make sense. Yeah, they um, they beat Virginia by four in week two. Virginia also pretty decent. Um, They beat FIU by 10 in week one. They've really only had one dominant win this season against Ball State and they they lost by 14 to Michigan State. So it, it really is just Indiana's pretty good i think they're going to be a bowl game team i think they could be a, a seven or eight win team even um although that's that's really tricky in the the big 10 east but they're just they're going to keep games relatively close they're, they're really not going to let you blow them out because of that defense because of how good that defense is and because i think tom allen in general is a, a pretty solid coach they're they're not super talented but 
they're just they're hard to deal with. They're they're weird. They they do weird things and they can keep games close for much longer than they probably should. Can I just say that Tom Allen looks like he drives a UPS truck? Yeah, he does. <laughs> I I sent you um I sent you a picture on Slack before we started recording that my friend on Twitter Cheese made of uh, Tom Allen at Big Ten Media Days where uh, so his his eyes we we talked about Tom Allen at Big Ten Media Days when Big Ten Media Days happened and how he was one of like four coaches that didn't look like garbage um I'll, I'll have to tweet I'll have to tweet out the picture so people can see it but he has like lasers in his eyes instead and um I think that that could actually happen on the sidelines of this game is that Tom Allen becomes like um the the superhero Cyclops and his his eyes turn into lasers and he like shoots Urban Meyer or something. Tom Allen definitely looks like a dude that I don't want to get stuck into a life threatening <laughs> situation with. I don't know if I don't know if Tom Allen is leading me onto the other side of my heart still beating if I'm in a life threatening situation with him. But in, into this series since what 2014, this one has been super dumb. Yeah. Like every single game has been. I think every game has been a game into the fourth quarter. 2014 was the the infamous Jalen Marshall putting the team on his back game in the fourth quarter. 2015, a game that they probably should have lost and they probably would have made the playoff if they lost that game and then just ran through the rest of the schedule and won a back-to-back national championship. But that's that's cool. That's fun. Whatever. Not a big deal. Um, 2016, what, what happened in the 2016 game? That was... That that one in the Northwestern game really blend in together where they were just like kind of just played with their food for the yeah. first two and a half quarters and then beat them. And then the opener last year was a relatively close game into the what the late third yeah. quarter. Yeah. And then Paris Campbell had the, the big touchdown and J.K. Dobbins, of course, kind of put himself on the map. But this this game has just been a slog fest for Ohio State the last four years and I don't know if it'll be that this week, but there's definitely precedent to it. And I, I don't understand why that's re- really been other than the 2015 game, because there was no reason for any of those other games to be close at all. Yeah, the 2016 game was pretty similar. It was 24-17 Ohio State with about 10 minutes left in the third quarter all the way to about four minutes left in the third quarter, and then Ohio State pulled away pretty late. I, I think the main reason for you know, Ohio State struggles with Indiana is that uh, while their record isn't always very good, I mean, last year they were five and seven. They're they're generally around that six win range. Indiana plays pretty much everybody close. They that's kind of their their go to move is that they play Michigan State and Ohio State and Penn State and Michigan super close and it feels like every year they have a fourth quarter lead on Penn State or Michigan or Ohio State in twenty fifteen and then they end up just not quite having enough to get it done. They're the top of their team is pretty talented, but I, I think it's you know the reason that these games are as weird as they are is because Indiana just doesn't really have the depth to to sustain an upset bid for four quarters. And they're you know it's it's a weird program. There are weird dynamics at Indiana that make the football program the way that it is. Um, but I, I certainly. I wouldn't go into this game expecting any kind of a blowout. I, I think it'll be another slog fest because their their defense is pretty good. They they've got the I think a top forty defense probably, and that's one of the better defenses that Ohio State have faced to this point. 
they're just they're really good at making games weird they they know what can keep them in the game and they have figured out a way to do that pretty successfully indiana's like the annoying friend that not really anybody likes and wonders like yo why do we keep indiana around and everybody's just like i don't know (laughs) and they just like stick around that seems like indiana because they're they're not good enough to have not even a breakthrough season, just like an eight and four year that we see a lot of like Northwestern will just pop up and win yeah. nine games or 10 games. And Indiana's always been not always, but in the last three or four seasons, that hot pick before the season, like, Oh, I know they play in the, the East, but if they steal a game from Michigan or, or maybe Ohio state, or they beat Michigan state, they could win nine games this year. And it's just been like, Nope, they're going to win seven, maybe six and play in a bowl game and have a couple of really standout guys. But other than that, you don't know much about them. And it kind of seems, even though they're 4-1, and one, that that's, that's where they are right now. What uh, is this a letdown spot, do you think? Ohio State has Minnesota next week. But after the emotional win over Penn State, you would figure that Ohio State will be a little drained. I definitely would feel more on edge if this game were on the road instead of being in Columbus. But I could see the first quarter, quarter and a half being something where we're like, man, these guys look really, really sloppy until they really get into the game. Yeah. it. So last year, the, um, the Iowa loss came right after the big Penn State comeback win. And that was a game where there was obviously a bunch of turnovers, a bunch of dumb stuff happened. Indiana coming into this game has a plus three turnover margin uh their defense is generally pretty good at forcing turnovers i I don't think that you can really go into a game with a goal to force turnovers i think it's more of a luck thing but um their defense is aggressive they they look to make big plays and have generally been pretty successful with that this season so that's certainly concerning that that ohio state is they have to play a a pretty aggressive well-coached defense a week after a you know a slugfest with a top team like Penn State on the road, I I don't think that we'll see the the fully like dominant Ohio State team that we had in the first you know three of the first four weeks, and then they struggled a little bit against a, a better team in TCU. But I, I certainly don't think Ohio State's going to be able to pull away here just because of Indiana is I mean they're good on defense they're they're a pretty good defensive team their offense is not particularly good especially not when it comes to explosiveness they're actually one of the worst teams in the country with offensive explosiveness but they're generally able to stop big plays they're they're pretty good against the pass um they they can keep big running plays from happening which i i really don't think is going to be an issue because ohio state doesn't seem interested in that this year but it's certainly a situation where if indiana is able to force some turnovers this one could get kind of sketchy. I, I don't think I really expect it to be super close because I think Ohio State's more talented this year and their offense is more well-suited to blow teams out than they were in years past. But Indiana can certainly make it interesting, especially if they can get to Dwayne Haskins and force him into some throws he doesn't want to make because I do think that you can you can kind of make him do things he doesn't want to do when you when you blitz him and if indiana can force some early interceptions that could be trouble for ohio state yeah they haven't had much of a pass rush so far this season but after what penn state's defense did blitzing haskins almost every single down regardless of what the situation is tom allen is a pretty bright defensive mind Mm -hmm. so i'm curious to see how often 
they decide to bring heat despite not really getting after the quarterback so far this year. Yeah, and another thing to to kind of consider here is that um, you know when it comes to situations that Ohio State isn't particularly good in, uh, third and longs is is the main one that kind of comes up to me as you know Ohio State can can struggle with play calling at times and in third and long situations they can um, they they've had plenty of issues with that. And Indiana's defense is really good on third and long. They're really good in long yardage situations. And I don't think Ohio State is particularly well suited to handle a defense that can do that. I I certainly think Ohio State's going to get their points. But Penn State's defense looked very good against Ohio State's offense. And I don't think Penn State's defense is very good. So Indiana should be able to, if they can get Ohio State into longer passing down situations, it could be trouble. Is there anything that Indiana does offensively that worries you at all? If they had running back Morgan Ellison, yes. They don't, so no. Quarterback Peyton Ramsey's pretty good. He He's all right. His completion percentage is, is pretty good, up over 70%. But he throws a lot of interceptions. He isn't particularly explosive they're just their passing attack isn't very good their their running attack is decent stevie scott looks like he's the the main running back this year and he's averaging just under five yards a carry but he's a he's a freshman he's also not super explosive they're really their their biggest issue is that their line isn't very good and against ohio state's defensive line i think we that's yeah, not I a good strategy know how that's gonna go there is they they have a pretty decent uh, receiver core led by Nick Westbrook, who I believe was at Oklahoma and then transferred. So they they can they can make some plays if they get open. Those those guys are pretty talented. They they spread the ball out really well among four or five different receivers. I, I see on this um, on their their team sheet they have six different guys with at least fifteen targets. So they they've got receivers that they can throw the ball to, and that that could be a little bit of an issue because Ohio State secondary has not been the best this year they've they've had some struggles and i saw that urban meyer said he was going to have sean wade compete for the the safety spot this week which feels yeah, like baby feels like the correct thing to do so hopefully sean wade can win that battle and uh they they finally make that change but it, i i think if indiana is going to do much in this game it'll probably be in the air it would probably be a lot like it was last year where they were just kind of throwing it up and taking advantage of ohio state having some pretty short cornerbacks but if anybody's going to do that, it would probably be Nick Westbrook or Donovan Hale, who are six foot three and six foot four, respectively. But I, I really, I'm not super worried about this offense. I think Ohio State's defense should be fine. Sean Wade at safety. Somebody's been listening to the podcast. <laughs> Imagine Urban Meyer listening to this podcast. We're, we're the only people that have called it. Yeah. Nobody else. I feel like we have a four rating on Apple right now. So most people have given us five stars. I feel like Urban Meyer probably gave us like a three. Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't find his phone to do it, but he, he would have in spirit. He gave us the three. We're the tough boy <laughs> uh, rating of Ohio State podcast. Nick Westbrook, yeah, he's kid that uh, tore his ACL on the first play of last year's game. He was supposed to team up with Simi Cobbs to give them a pretty good that would have been very, uh, wide receiver. Very hard more. to stop. Yeah. yeah, tore his ACL on the first play of the season last year against Ohio State. So nice to see him playing, even if the numbers aren't necessarily what a lot of people thought they would be. Also good for all of us and the Ohio State secondary. No Simi Cobbs Mm -hmm. there to just moss everyone, which will be great after last year's game. Um, But like you said, there's, there's not much of anything I think that Indiana does that really worries me about their matchup 
with Ohio State, the defensive line should continue to feast. Hopefully we'll see looser rotation than we saw last week. Understandable why it was more so just first and a little bit of the second string guys, but guys like Tyler Friday we talked about last week, Tyreek Smith, some of the younger interior players. I, I would hope that they get a lot of rip in this game now that we're really into this the middle portion of conference play and as we get into some of these bigger games as the season goes on and Ohio State has a little bit this is like the soft underbelly portion of the Big Ten schedule so we're going to start to see especially with these freshmen who is going to get this year of playing time and who's going to get redshirted because we're deep enough now and some of the opponents are a little bit weaker that if you're not playing, then you're probably going to take a, uh, a red shirt. But the only thing I'm really looking for from the defense is if they continue to give up big plays. This is an Indiana offense that hasn't been very good at generating explosive plays. And I would say I'll be super worried if they give them up, but I'm already super worried that they're giving up these <laughs> massive plays but if they do at this point, then it's just like, okay, anybody's going to be able to get big plays on them. Yeah, Luke, Timmy, and Jayshon, Jashon, I'm not super sure how to say that, Harris the second and Wap Fillier are the, the kind of faster receivers on this Indiana offense. Um, they're the most explosive guys on this Indiana offense. So I, I would be on the lookout for them to make big plays. I think Indiana might try to get them out in – in the slot to to get some some quicker passes to avoid the Ohio State pass rush, which I assume will have some success against a pretty bad offensive line. But this is one of the least explosive teams in the country, so if Ohio State's given up a bunch of big plays in this game, that would be pretty concerning, I think. What do you want to see from the offense? Well, Indiana's defense is... is um, pretty loaded with talent actually looking at it um defensive back jonathan crawford is really good he's uh he's not really a great coverage guy but very very good at tackling for a defensive back um marcelino ball is kind of their do-it-all guy they've got a good group of linebackers um their their defensive line is not very good hence the the low sack numbers that they have they they really don't get to the quarterback a ton but this is really kind of a bend don't break defense and they um they just they they wear you out because they they don't give up really very many big plays. They can keep contained. They're they're solid tacklers. It's a well coached team. So I would like to see Ohio State just moving the ball efficiently and not needing like the Benjamin Victor forty seven yard touchdowns or you know the the KJ Hill breakaway screens. I, I would like to see some just you know normal down the field passing, pick up ten yards, get a first down moving the ball down the field that we saw at the, the beginning of the season and a, a return to to that downfield form from Dwayne Haskins. I think that that's the main thing that I'm I'm really looking for here. They, they should be able to run the ball pretty well. I'm not super concerned about that, but I am interested to see what this this passing attack looks like after kind of getting kind of getting beat up a little bit last week. It was not a great week for the passing attack. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that bounces back. I'm looking at the run game and specifically how physical the offensive line is able to play. Like you mentioned, they shouldn't in theory have too much problem with Indiana's front. A lot of that talent is more in the back end, but I, I just want to see if they're after a really physical game against Penn state in a game where Penn state confused them a little bit, not only, I think with their blitzing and when Ohio State wanted to throw, but in stopping the run and a lot of times we saw J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber have to 
make make a move or two to get past Penn State defenders if they're able to get a push and be a little bit more physical against this Indiana front and if they're able to create room for J.K. Dobbins and, and Mike Weber I don't want to give where I'm going away with this game but I think that they'll have a little bit more room this week and we'll we'll see Dobbins and Weber have a pretty solid day yeah we've we've talked about plenty on the last couple podcasts about how Mike Weber makes more sense against defenses that don't have the best defensive lines and rather have a better back seven. So I think he would make a lot of sense in this game. I think if Ohio State wants to to get Mike Weber an even number of carries, this would be a good game to do that. J.K. Dobbins, of course, we, we saw what he did against Indiana last year. This is obviously a, a different Indiana team, but I think he should still have success here. I don't think it'll be a huge explosive day for the running attack because, like I said, Indiana doesn't really miss a ton of tackles. They're, they're generally pretty smart about that. But just holding onto the ball, picking up good yardage on the ground, the line not getting dominated by what is a, a pretty pedestrian defensive line, that's that's really what I'm I'm hoping to see. Just look competent, look pretty good. I feel like this is the week we see Tate Martell early in a yeah. package or two. It definitely yeah. wasn't happening against Penn State, but I think in the first, second quarter, I don't know if that's going to be putting Dwayne Haskins out wide that you've seen some college and now NFL teams do. I saw the Saints did that mm-hmm. with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill of all people. <laughs> Taysom Shout out Hill's Taysom been killing Hill getting, it, getting some run, killing, killing Texas and now killing NFL defenses. So shout out to him. But I, I think that Tate Martell will see a little bit of playing time with the ones just to get them more acclimated. And I think that this is a good spot for for him to do that against a good defense. You've gotten the Penn State game out of the way and we'll probably see more of that over the next three or four weeks before the Michigan State game before the Michigan game to close out the season and I think that that's a good call I, I don't have any problem with that do you think that um they they may be looking to to bring more Tate Martell in as kind of a reaction to not being able to run the ball with the quarterback against Penn State do you think that this might be kind of Urban Meyer being like oh shit we we <laughs> we should see if Tate Martell is capable here just in case, because I I like the screens. I like the screens a lot that they ran. I like that that can be a replacement for what they had been doing. I'm not super sure Urban Meyer's comfortable with that, just from what I know about Urban Meyer. Yeah. So do you you think that Tate Martell playing a lot in this game could be a realistic option as Urban Meyer tries to figure out if he can still have a running quarterback? Maybe. I think that that probably plays a little bit into it. I can definitely see that because they still, with the some of the RPO type of concepts that they're still obviously using, they want that to not maybe not be a staple, but I don't think they want to, to still cut have it. its. I don't think they want to. Yeah, cut they the want RPO. it to have its place in the offense. Yeah. It's definitely not what it was in the past. And when we see him on the field, we'll see that more. But I I think if we see him a lot, it'll more so just be like, you know, Dwayne's obviously the guy. It's there's no sense in him not playing all of the snaps, but I do think that there's something to getting Martell out there with the ones and just getting him used to the offense and getting him going in actual game situations where stuff is still on the line. And that isn't what we saw a lot of from Haskins this year, which is a conversation for another day, which makes what he's doing now even more impressive because we didn't really see him in you know the heat of game action other than the Michigan game all of last year so for him to come in and do what he's doing right now has been very impressive and I think that they may have learned from that a little bit that Tate Martell definitely needs it more than than Haskins did so I I think that 
it can be a little bit of both and that they want to get him used to it and they really want to have some of those RPO concepts still in there for a reason. Yeah, I think that the RPO concepts could actually be pretty helpful in this game. I'm not I'm not saying that Tate Martell should be the starter or anything. That's I think that, that would be kind of ridiculous move to make at this point. But I, I do think that when you're kind of yeah, when you're <laughs> when you're playing a, a team with a really good defensive backfield like this, some some misdirection, some some trickery isn't the worst thing. It would I'm I'm interested to see if Tate Martell is as explosive as he has been against a defense that doesn't really make a ton of mistakes. I think that Ohio State is probably interested in that too. So if you're, I I think if you're going to try him out for just to see what you have in him, this is a pretty good game to do that. I'm certainly, I'm expecting it'll probably be the the fifth series thing that they've been doing, um, you know, midway through the second quarter. But I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a ton of garbage time here. So maybe a couple series for Tate. I I don't usually advocate for that, but it, it... I don't think Indiana is going to be super threatening, but they probably will keep it within three scores or so. Um, so maybe a little bit of Tate would be interesting. Do we have any special teams thoughts in my cursory glance of Indiana's stat profile? I think I remember it saying that they've been pretty good at mm-hmm. winning the field position battle. Yeah. So far this season, is there anything that stands out to you there about what they do? Uh, well, field position wise, they're generally pretty good at pinning their opponents. Their defense is generally starting out at around the 26-yard line, which is pretty good. That's 23rd in the country. Their return game isn't great. Jayshon Harris, the the receiver, actually did return a punt for a touchdown earlier this season. He's got a pretty good average thus far. But Ohio State's punt coverage looked awesome against Penn State. I think that that'll probably continue here. They haven't really shown us much on kick return, so I don't expect a ton from Indiana's kick return. They they usually just fair catch it or let it go into the end zone. Their their kicker, uh, Logan Justice, is he's pretty good. He's he's hit five of six kicks this season. He's not he's not great or anything, but he's he's capable. I don't think that um, I don't think that the special teams will play a huge role here like we thought it might last week, and it, it kind of did last week. Logan Justice sounds like a real bad Marvel movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's like um, oh, who is um, that's Wolverine, right? Logan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that could definitely happen. <laughs> This is hang out in the Holy Land. Come here for your superhero takes. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at Ohio State's special teams efficiency ratings right now. Most of them are pretty good. Punt efficiency fifth, kickoff efficiency first, punt return 49th, kick return 36th. I'm surprised that punt return is that high. <laughs> field goal value 105th. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. The field goal the field goal kicking is going to come back to bite mm. them. It almost point, did last week year. when they yeah. when they had the face mask. They're gonna have to figure that out. But Ohio State hasn't scored a, on a kick return since 2010. Was that Ray since, Small? No, it wasn't Ray Small. I know exactly. Oh, it was a running back, who, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was against Michigan. I don't, I don't know why I can't. It was Boom Heron, I think. That sounds right. Against Michigan, it was in the it was in the really I, depending on your perspective, great or awful, all red uniforms it's one of those ohio state michigan games that we never ever talked about uniforms were good i'm just looking at them now it was one of those jordan hall jordan hall that's who it was it was one of those little little running backs yeah Yeah, jordan hall was able to do it i think that uh ohio state breaks that streak this Hmm. week somebody i don't know if it's kj hill paris campbell 
Yeah, CJ Saunders <laughs> is going to break that. Streak and then we're going to get 4,000 tweets at us. <laughs> yeah, CJ Sanders catches two passes. That, he's going to catch a touchdown in the fourth quarter with 25 seconds left when they're up like 31. And people are going to be like, he's a beast. I told you, <laughs> man. He's making plays. But I, I think that they break that streak. Paris Campbell also almost returned a kick in the 2016 game against Indiana. He got down to like the two yard line, almost did mm-hmm. it. And I think, uh, yeah, that's my hot take for this week that Ohio State will get the kick return touchdown monkey off of their back. I like it. Before we talk about everything else going on this week, prediction, what do you think? Just, you know, like like talking through this, I think I changed my prediction a little bit as I was looking through Indiana's defense and hadn't really thought a ton about this game. Um, not, not as like an insult to, <laughs> to Indiana or anything, just like, you know, it's Indiana. I think Ohio State, it's going to be a pretty similar Ohio State-Indiana game. I think Ohio State wins 45-24. Okay, I could see late touchdown puts it puts it out of reach, and they're able to just kind of cruise mm-hmm. in the last eight minutes. I feel like through the first four weeks, we've had a pretty decent read on Ohio State. They didn't play as well as we thought they would last week, and I'm definitely not shocked at the Penn State game was as close as it was, but I still feel like I have a pretty good read on this team and more so just off of what they are than Indiana is. I think that this game gets really out of hand quickly and this is a blowout Mm. and I don't have anything to support that. And as we've said, there's nothing in the last three or four years that will say Indiana won't play this game close, but I I think that they'll be focused more focused than we've seen them after a game like that in a while. And I think that they'll really take it to Indiana Mostly because Indiana's offense, I don't think, really has a shot at moving the ball. And if they have two turnovers, there's just absolutely no way that they're going to be able to keep up. And I think that it's going to snowball for their offense early. And ultimately, the defense just isn't going to be able to be on the field for as much as they are. I think that Dwayne Haskins has a has a very good day. They're able to withstand what Indiana can do. And I think if there's one place where you don't want to be not matched up well with Ohio State, it's up front. And it's fine that their secondary is good, but I I think now we feel pretty confident in saying that Ohio State's receivers can match up against a good secondary. Maybe they can't dominate, but they can make plays and they can hold their own. But if you can't match up with J.K. Dobbins or Mike Weber, even what Ohio State has on the line now, I don't think that you're in a good place. And we haven't seen the offense be as efficient as it has been in the past, I think that this game is where they are able to break off six, seven, eight-yard runs pretty regularly. And if you're doing that, you're giving up that against this Ohio State offense that can also generate big plays with those receivers and is more comfortable throwing the ball, then I don't think you really have a chance. And I'll go out on a limb and say 52-10. to Mm. 52 to 10 i'll go with that i don't have anything backing it up but i think that they look really good this week and they're able to shift into this next phase of big 10 play with a really good performance yeah i i could see i could see either one i i'm not sure that peyton ramsey really has what it takes to to win this game and to really even keep it close i don't I'm not super convinced on their offense. I mean, it's uh, it's Mike DeBoard. It's our dear friend Mike DeBoard. So you you kind of know what you're going to get with them. It should be a pretty interesting game. Uh, speaking of interesting games, there are plenty this weekend. 
it's it's not a great week for college football. I don't think. I think last week's slate was a little bit better, specifically the night slate. But it's pretty deep. There there's some pretty interesting games spread throughout the day. What are, what are you looking for this weekend? Well, to start it off, Patrick, I am headed to Winston Salem, North Carolina. Wow. <laughs> Wake Forest, Clemson. Oh God. Wake Forest, Clemson. <laughs> Patrick, do you know what's going to happen this week? Because um, I do. Uh, tell the me. Wake Forest Demon Deacons and Greg Dorch. Greg Dorch. My man, Greg Dorch, the low-key best receiver in the country. They're going to torch Clemson. And Wake Forest is going to pull the upset <laughs> and finally beat Clemson. <laughs> this LaVisca Chenault erasure will not be accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Greg man, Dorch he's can my be guy, the number yeah. two receiver in the country. <laughs> I can't say he's the best receiver wearing black and gold either. Man. So I, they both just they they both just melded. He's the in. best receiver on the Atlantic coast. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll go with that. But speaking of Lavisca Chenault, that's probably going to be a, a great Herm's game. Coming to town. I think that starts that starts at the same time as the Ohio State game or within the the same region. This is maybe to see who the Pac-12 South winner is going to be. See who plays. <laughs> USC in a couple weeks. I'm actually going to that game in LA. I'm really excited for that. But mm-hmm. I, I think that either one of these teams can keep it close with USC when they eventually play them. But at the very least, I think the winner of this game is going to be second in the Pac-12 South. But this this is a good one, mm-hmm. man. CU's record, or not CU's record, but the record of all the teams that CU has beaten this not year. Not great. One in, one in 16, Damn. the only win. CSU's win over Arkansas. That's the that's, uh, that's the only win. A team that's a crazy stat. Of all the games, that's the one too. Not only one in sixteen, <laughs> but that is the one win is CSU's Man. win over Arkansas. And I think for ASU, this is going to be a good test for their defense. I think that they they should be able to move the ball with Manny Wilkins and Nikhil Harry. But Colorado, this is their test of like, is this team actually okay? Or have they just been beating up on weaker teams? So excited to see that. And whoever wins, like I said, is going to have a, a nice little track in the uh, Pac-12 South. Yeah, I'm, I'm super interested in Colorado this year. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm 100% in, but Steven Montez is, is pretty good, it seems like. Um, we know LaVisca Chenault is very good. Really wish that game wasn't on the Pac-12 network, which I don't have. But I live like 10 minutes outside of Berkeley, mm-hmm. and I don't even know if I get Pac-12 Network. No one gets that's, it. That's, yeah, right? <laughs> you are not allowed to watch the Pac-12. It's it's illegal. Yeah, I, I think that that should be a, a pretty fun game. Is there anything else on here that you're you're really looking out for, and then I, I can do my, my full rundown? Kentucky A&M should be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kentucky's been good. Kentucky's been They've really good. been legitimately good. A&M, I think, has been very good the two losses are misleading when you've lost to clemson and alabama (laughs) and i i don't think that they look great against arkansas i watched like a little condensed game of them playing that and i think that's as much a product of playing clemson and alabama in a three-week stretch so i'd kind of discount that game or discard it and i actually think that a&m is going to win this game i i don't know if they're better than kentucky right now but that's a huge test for Kentucky, which this game is in College Station, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kyle Field is a tough place to play. Yeah, and and I think that Kentucky, if 
if you want to bring something into that environment, a good running game is something you want to have. And Benny Snell's obviously been one of the best, if not the best running back in the country so far. So I think it'll be a really good game, but I think that this is one, not where the magic dies for Kentucky and their season goes to shit or anything, but I think that this is their first loss and, and A&M's able to pull out what's going to be a fun game. Yeah, I, I think that should be pretty good. Kentucky, their defense is really good, led by the best Josh Allen to play college football in the last two years, linebacker Josh Allen, who is actually good at football rather than the <laughs> the other one who we will not talk about. That that Kentucky offense is really strange in that they, they pretty much just run the ball. Terry Wilson is not a great passer. He is a very good runner. Benny Snell is just tearing teams apart and then posting um, Photoshopped memes of him with their mascots on on Twitter. So that's that's all very exciting. I like that a lot. The the rest of this this week, I'm looking kind of at uh, I'm I'm giving eyes to Middle Tennessee Marshall on Friday. I, I think Middle Tennessee Marshall could be kind of interesting. Alabama Arkansas. If you want to see a murder on ESPN at noon, why well, I don't I don't really know why ESPN <laughs> wants to show us that. Missouri-South Carolina is kind of an interesting SEC battle. I think it's more interesting than most of the other noon games outside of Oklahoma-Texas, which should be very good. That's the that's the game day game. I'm not super sure if I'm convinced Texas is any good. And then Northwestern at Michigan State is the, the kind of the end of the noon slot. What's, what's your choice in there? I think I'm going Oklahoma-Texas with probably Northwestern Michigan State on the second screen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go OU-Texas. I think that OU's defense has been a little bit concerning. Yeah, they gave up 33 points to Baylor. Yeah, <laughs> they, they've looked very odd the last few weeks, but that offense, man, is just, just humming. Northwestern Michigan State is interesting to me, if only because I was looking at Michigan State's schedule, and I don't know how good they are or not, but like they're just there right now, and we should all keep an eye on them because <laughs> this is what they do. And like I said, I don't know really how good they are. I don't think they look great against Indiana from what I watch, but they're there. Keep keep an eye on Michigan State because that's going to be one that is going to decide a lot of stuff come the end of the season since they, they don't have a Big Ten loss right now. The only loss they have is to Arizona State, and that game's looking very dumb yeah. in, uh, in retrospect. Back to Alabama, it feels like – I think about this a lot, that if any other program was on the run – like they are on maybe the best run in the history yeah. of the sport, but it feels like we don't know – like I watch a lot of college football. I don't know anything about Alabama because I don't care to watch them unless it's like a primetime big game against somebody. Like if they're not playing another top five team, I'm just like there's no reason to watch. So it just feels like the whole country never watches them. They just kind of do their own thing, and then you just see stuff on Twitter pop up. Like, Tua Tonga-Vailoa hasn't missed his last 85 passes. What? Like, <laughs> Damian Harris is averaging 46 yards per carry. Like, if that popped up, I'd be like, yeah, sure. They've been playing these shitty teams and just beating the hell out of them. Like, yeah, I can totally see that. And it feels like if Ohio State or, like, a USC or a Texas – was up there at number one like that's appointment tv and i guess we've just gotten to the point where alabama is just an inevitability and i don't think that that's a good or, or bad thing but just something i've noticed about them that if they're not playing somebody really good like i just do not want to watch because you know what's going to happen yeah he that alabama arkansas game is 
That's brutal. <laughs> that's a that's a it's rough, not going to be fair. Yeah, that's a rough situation for Arkansas. Speaking of bad football games that you should not watch, Illinois Rutgers at noon on Big Ten Network. Do not watch that game. I thought you were going to say LSU Florida, but <laughs> Illinois Rutgers also works. Seven five is possible in that LSU Florida game. Oof. God. Yeah, the 330 slot, Clemson Wake Forest might be kind of interesting. Florida State, Miami, yuck, not good. Kansas State, Baylor, no, no, no good. No, no never. <laughs> Kansas never. State's really bad this year. LSU, Florida, like you said, could be super low scoring. I, I think LSU's offense is at least decent enough that they can win that game pretty handily. Iowa State, Oklahoma State is, is kind of intriguing iowa state is probably one of the better one in three teams in the country they've, they've gotten a really a really rough draw to start the season secretly probably the best game in this slot is san diego state boise state i, I think that, that should be a really fun mountain west game san diego state is not what they're usually like um their their running attack is still very good Jawan washington but that that defense has had some some issues and boise state is i think very good if not maybe Maybe not as great as we hoped that they would be, but they're still very good. So I, I think San Diego State, Boise, LSU, Florida, and, and Clemson Wake are probably the three games here worth watching. Can Maryland stick with Michigan at all? No. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm in on Maryland. I, I don't think I trust them. If they do, how not worried. That's that's not the right word. We're definitely never worried about Michigan. How excited would we be? <laughs> how, how excited would you be if you are – logged into twitter which we both are 24 7 never never logged off ever but it's like the third quarter and that's a 17 17 game i mean there's really i don't think anything that could happen in this slate that's funnier (laughs) maryland beating michigan at michigan would be extremely funny I think Maryland's actually pretty decent this year, if I remember right. I say that knowing that they very well could have gotten crushed last week, and I'm just forgetting about it. But I know they started pretty well. No, they just tanked Minnesota. So yeah, they're they're three and one. They're they're looking they're looking pretty solid. They beat Texas, which is uh, don't forget that that Maryland did beat Texas. But I don't I don't think that they're gonna cause a ton of problems here. Their offense looks pretty good. Their defense has actually been pretty solid this year. But there are some there are some issues at, at Maryland, and I think Michigan should be should be able to beat them. I agree with that. Just watching Michigan, though, we didn't get a chance. They're to ugly. Recap. It's an ugly team. It's very very ugly, and their offense right now is ranked twenty seventh in S and P plus, which I think is better than mostly what they've been. Yeah, uh, they got in the one Jim guy Harbaugh out there. Era and Shea Patterson's been good. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's been great, but he's been good enough. They really play stupid football and do a lot of stupid things at really bad times. I like Karan Higdon. He's yeah. he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's one of the better backs in the Big Ten. But their offensive line sucks. I don't think that their wide receivers are any good. I don't think that Donovan Peoples-Jones has really lived up to what he was kind of billed as. And I still think he has time and he can be a really good player. But if you have a competent offense that isn't going to get itself in third and long or throw bad interceptions against that Michigan defense, then you can you can beat them. So I, I'm interested from that standpoint, especially with how um why is his name escaping escaping me right now? The dude interim coach for Maryland. Oh, um is it is it Todd Orlando? Not Todd Orlando. He was no, the no, LSU no. offensive coordinator. You know, it was another Matt man Canada. named after a place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Matt 
Matt Canada, the country of Matt Canada. <laughs> he's he's creative enough to kind of match wits, I think, with Don Brown and what the Michigan defense does. So that's something I want to see. And I think that Maryland is going to be able to keep that game close. And I just don't have enough faith in Michigan's offense right now to really they're, – they're not killers yet. They're not just going to put a team away. And maybe they'll get that by the end of the season – but they don't seem to have it right now. And if you have any sort of offensive firepower, you can stick with them and pull it out because you can force Michigan into mistakes. So something to look out for. Yeah, Michigan has uh, five discrete offensive coordinators. And um, as a, I'm not a football expert by any means. I, I, I know enough that I can talk about it, but uh, that's a bad idea. It's not going to work. You know what You know what they say? <laughs> if you have five offensive coordinators, you have none. Yeah, if you have five offensive coordinators, um, you're employing Jim McElwain is, is the thing that you say, is the thing that they say. And Michigan is doing that. They're employing Jim McElwain. And uh, I think Pep Hamilton is still there. They They've got some... They've got some issues. Michigan also has some issues. The the nightcap, the the primetime games are pretty good. Kentucky, Texas A&M, like we talked about, should be pretty fun. Auburn at Mississippi State, two programs in very different places, two fan bases that are still very upset. <laughs> I, I think Auburn upset for different reasons. Mississippi State upset because that offense is not working right now. Nick Fitzgerald does not seem to be the the best option there. Nick Fitzgerald came about 40 yeah. years too late. Yeah. Man. I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's the kind of quarterback that Joe Moorhead can, <laughs> can work his magic with. And there's not a ton in the seven thirty slot. It's, it's three games that you would think would be good, but are not Nebraska, Wisconsin, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Washington, UCLA. If you, if you looked at that and just told someone who hasn't watched college football since the nineties, if you told them that two teams in those six were uh, winless at this point, they would not say UCLA and Nebraska. And those are the ones that are winless. Notre Dame-Virginia Tech, I think, is being hyped up as the primetime game. That's the, the ABC game. I don't see it. I don't see it with that game. I, I really, I, I think Notre Dame is a good football team, and I don't think Virginia Tech is all that good. It, it's hard to play at, at Virginia Tech, but that offense isn't very good, and they just lost no. to... Old Dominion and the defense has like six scholarship players on it and I know Bud Foster is very good at his job and I I like Justin Fuente a lot but I I don't think this is it yeah I think that this game will say a lot about Notre Dame if they win by 20 points if they just put them away Mm -hmm. after a big game against Stanford last week and I'll just throw it out there right now man they win this game the next four or five games Pittsburgh Navy at Northwestern Florida State Syracuse at USC to close out the season. If there's a year that Notre Dame's going to sneak into or make the playoff, it is, uh, it's it's this year, especially if they can get consistent play from Ian Book or whoever, however that quarterback situation shakes out. I think that this is their, uh, this is their best chance. Pitt's going to get them. <laughs> Pitt usually does <laughs> snatch up and, and grab Pitt's somebody. I don't him. know if, if this particular version of Pitt. Every version I don't of Pitt know. can get them. Man. I, I feel like that's Pitt kind of sells their soul for one win yeah. a year, so maybe maybe this is it. But that schedule's setting up nicely for Notre Dame. Uh, do you have anything else as we as we wrap up this episode? Um, the Pac-12 after dark games are pretty bad. They're they're really bad. Looking at them, Utah Stanford. 
it's the best one. I don't care it's the about best that game one there. Stanford is. I, I think they're they're decent. They're not great by any means. Bryce Love is is having some issues behind that offensive line. Utah does not score, refuses to score. So this one could be like 14-3. Fresno State, Nevada. Uh, if you haven't watched Fresno State, you could you could watch them here. I, I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Do not watch Colorado State, San Jose State, and do not watch no. Cal, Arizona. There's one good team in that game, and it's not Arizona. No. Yeah, I, I think that that's about it. If This is a... Um, I, I actually... I, I mostly have this Saturday off for the first time this season. So I, I think that this might be a uh, a catch up on sleep Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the um not not the consensus or the general thought, but that seems to be the play yeah. this week, unless something drastic happens. And we said that last week, and last week was pretty yeah. fun, but this week I I don't know. Maybe LSU Florida I think can be low key crazy, even if it's a bad game. They usually tend to play those types of games. So we will. Have an update on all that stuff when we come back with another episode recapping everything that happened in college football, but most importantly, happening in Ohio State's game against Indiana on Saturday, 4 p.m. We'll be down with another recap episode. I think our recaps have been pretty decent yeah, this year. Yeah. We've we've stayed we've stayed on point. Penn State one was fun, so we'll be back with another one after that game this weekend make sure to find that show on apple Podcasts. search hang out in the holy land i think matt took care of it there's only one feed up now you don't have to choose between one or two i saw somebody gave like a one-star rating to the old one and i was like huh little do they know that feed is dead they showed so us <laughs> we're yeah we're up on the uh on the regular one check it out there subscribe to the show go to soundcloud.com slash land grant holy land listen to the show there as well Follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. Follow the site on Twitter at LandGrant33 and visit LandGrantHolyLand.com. Also follow Patrick and I on Twitter, Patrick underscore Mayhorn, and I am at DubsCo. 52 minutes, man. I didn't think we would go this long. I thought the haters we were, said like, we couldn't do it. I thought we were about to get 35, and I was like, hell yeah, it's going to take me an hour to cut this. Lo and behold, Father, forgive me. We've done it again. We've <laughs> logged on again. 55 minutes yeah welcome to the holy land podcast ain't played nobody (laughs) indeed we'll be back later on this weekend to wrap up ohio state indiana but until then for patrick mayhorn i'm colton denning and this is the hangout in the holy land